We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Week 13 saw major quarterback injuries. The Bengals holding uh, serve against the Chiefs yet again. Uh, the Jaguars not really showing up, but uh, that that and a whole lot more as we recap week 13. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by No House Advantage. I'm Jeff Erickson here with Nick Whalen. Uh, a lot to cover in week 13. Uh, a lot of carnage, actually. Uh, a lot of injuries. We're, you know, this is this week is going to be a mad dash on the waiver wire, especially if you play in the NFFC where it's the last week to do so. Uh, Nick, how was your week 13? Uh, it was not a, a fantastic week for me in terms of my fantasy and gambling interests. Uh, had some, some pretty big letdown spots, some injuries that burned me in fantasy. Um, but, I mean, in terms of entertainment, it was a fantastic week. I think it lived up to the billing. You know, other than Philly, Tennessee not really being a game. Um, yeah. You know, the Jets rallying back in Minnesota to make that a game. That was a lot of fun. Commanders, Giants, it was ugly, uh, but still a fun game to watch. I, I had a... Uh, a vested interest in the commanders winning that game. So watching both teams, uh, you know, punt from their own territory in overtime, it was pretty soul crushing, but I mean, the late window was really fun. You look at that 49ers dolphins game. And I was telling you all week, that was the game I've been most looking forward to all year. You know, we get a touchdown on the first play from scrimmage for the dolphins. Jimmy G goes out early. Um, you know, the, the 49ers end up winning that game by two scores, but it felt closer than that final result. So very much looking forward to breaking that down. And then of, of course, I think we got what we deserved on Sunday night football last night with the Cowboys racking up 54 points uh, on Indianapolis. Yeah. But 33 in the fourth quarter, just a weird, weird finish to the game. It was 21, 19. And then all of a sudden, boom. Um, yeah. yeah. I was right on that game until I was egregiously wrong. I actually took the Colts to cover in our picks. Uh, and I thought that was, I thought their dysfunction was built into the line and I, <laughs> it was, they did prove to be more dysfunctional than that. So, so be it. Um, yeah. And Hey, I, I, I'm over the moon about my Bengals. I could not be happier with how that went. Joe Burrow is that guy. Oh my gosh. He's so good. I just, I love my quarterback. Um, and it's just so much fun. So, uh, I look for, I look forward to breaking that down. I'm just going to go and order the games. We'll start with the Thursday night, just debauchery. I mean, that was just a terrible game. I mean, the, the bills played fine, you know, but the, the Pats, I mean, you want to talk about cowardly punts twice punting, 
in like either midfield or even in Bill's territory when they're you're trailing the the, thec- the the second one down 17 points. I don't care if it's fourth and seven. Fourth and seven isn't you know I and I don't care how bad Mac Jones is playing. Mm-hmm. You can't punt that. You just can't. And it's like okay, they don't care, so why should I? Yeah, you know, New England, they, they came out, went three and out on their first drive and then, you know, had that kind of gadgety play. You put a defensive player in at, at the slot receiver position, get a quick pass for a touchdown. And you're thinking, OK, you know, maybe New England's going to try some things here. They're going to be a little more aggressive. They recognize uh, that they're a little overmatched in terms of talent going up against the Bills. And after that play, it felt like, like you said, they, they kind of turtled up. It was the same old conservative Patriots. I mean, if you're pushing Mac Jones to the point, where he's dropping F-bombs and, and yelling at coaches on the sideline, that says a lot. I mean, Mac, Mac Jones has been a big part of the problem for the Patriots for the most yep. this season, but even he is recognizing just how conservatively they're playing these games. I mean, I, I was watching with some friends, and you know, I said to him, like, the Patriots just they, – they run every play, every series – as if there's no context around it, you know, like they're, they, you, you look at a play, it's like, all right, we're, we're down two scores. We need a big play here. All right, let's run it up the middle for two yards. And they just, they have no clock consciousness. Like they, none of the play calling really seems to be in sync. It's, it's really strange coming from a Patriots team that, you know, was so good in these facets for so long. And, you know, I, I think they earned the benefit of the doubt in a lot of ways, but this, this offensive staff, especially just, it seems like they're a step behind more often than not. Yeah, it reminds me of like when the Falcons had that, you know, 10-minute drive against the Bengals down 21 points because they just kept running and running. Yeah, they right. got this, they got a score, but okay, we got to remain true to who we are. Well, okay, you stink then. Uh I mean, and that, that's the way it turned out. Uh yeah, they they had that six-minute drive and ended up just settling for three points, which the the three the taking the points was okay because they're down three scores. You got to get one of those at some point in time. Yeah. I didn't really mind the field goal so much, but still, ugh. It was gross. Uh, it was a fancy disappointing game because of that. I mean, the Bills, I mean, they were content running the ball. James Cook looked really good. Singletary got the rushing uh, touch touchdown, but Cook got more carries, more yards, more snaps, everything. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised that they keep looking towards Cook a little bit more as the season progresses. He looked really good. You know, we were we were doing the XM show during the first half of this game. I mean, he's he's running a lot more confidently, a lot harder than he was earlier in the season he and Singletary essentially split snaps in this game 33 to 32 uh, just a slight edge for Singletary but we saw James Cook used more as a a pass catcher out of the backfield targeted six times uh, did lead the team in carries as well so it does seem like uh, we may be kind of seeing a a gradual uh, handoff uh, from Singletary to Cook although you know I I think chances are it's more of a 50-50 situation the rest of the year Singletary of course did get in the end zone in this game but you said it. I mean, the Bills went up 24-7 relatively early in the second half. They had that long 15-play touchdown drive, and that was basically it. You know, they, they shut it down from there, and a big part of it was the Patriots taking up, you know, over half of the fourth quarter with a 17-play field goal drive. Yep. Yep, 17 plays. And there were some penalties in there. There was a lot of dink yep. and dunk, though. And that's because that's all they could do. The line could now they, they were down like three offensive linemen in the past were, and I think that really showed. I think that was part of it too. So uh, now we get them in a standalone game again, Monday night at Arizona. So uh, no dysfunction in that game at all. So it should be wild, but might be better because they get like 10 days to try to recover. So maybe some of the offensive linemen get healthier there, but, um, and you know, climate controlled conditions, maybe that, that, that'll help. Uh, we saw on Thanksgiving, Mac Jones can actually put up some yards. So uh, 
I, I, I have reason to have some cautious optimism there. Uh, for the Bills, I mean, it's a big week for them. Well, you know, they gained first seed back in the AFC because uh, they won, the Chiefs lost, and the Dolphins lost. So they're now also all of a sudden the number one seed in the AFC again. Now, granted, we still have five more games, uh, six more games, I guess, six more weeks. No, five more weeks. I was right the first time, 14 through 18. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're in a good spot now, um, and they get a home game against the Jets. Big game this week. Yeah, Buffalo, you know, they, they kind of survived a stretch where it didn't really feel like uh, that they've had any of those statement, you know, we're the best team in the league type of games. And, you know, I, I think you can go all the way back to week six against Kansas City. That's the last time that I really remember, you know, coming out of a game and thinking, man, the Bills are the best team in the NFL. But, you know, they've still gone four and two over their last six, you know, close losses to the Jets. Uh, and, of course, that game against the Vikings. Um, and like you said, I mean, they're, they're the major beneficiaries of how things broke down with Miami losing yesterday with, with KC losing, um, you know, the, the AFC North is now officially a, a two team dogfight between Cincinnati and the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, look, tough game against the jets, a team that they've already lost to next week. Uh, certainly going to be a difficult game against Miami, but you get both of those at home. Then you go to Chicago. That should be a game that you win Buffalo at Cincinnati in week 17. I mean, that, that could end up deciding potentially the number one seed in the AFC. And fantasy championships, perhaps, yes. too. Because uh, let's face it, teams that have Burrow, teams that have Josh Allen, they're feeling pretty good about that right now. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. Um, yeah, I know we're going to go in order, so we'll, it'll take a little bit to uh, you know, to get to that Cincinnati game. But, man, uh, yeah, if you have Josh Allen, if you have Joe Burrow, you're feeling like you're in very good shape there. It, I, I do still think, though, you know, it, the Bills have kind of been on cruise control to me for, for a lot of this, this last like six weeks, like I said, I, you know, it feels like yeah. they could have put up more points against new England. It still feels like Josh Allen is leaving some points on the table week to week. So I, I think if you are a Josh Allen fantasy manager, you're telling yourself that elbow is going to hopefully get healthier and healthier as we near the end of the regular season. Exactly. Exactly. Um, speaking of leaving points on the table, let's just move on in the next game and talk about the Falcons and the Steelers. Cause honestly, this one was kind of disappointing. Uh, I, I expected a little bit more. Uh, out of uh, what we saw from uh, the Steelers, and especially if you have uh, George Pickens, if you have Kenny Pickett, I mean, you really thought that this would be a better game. It wasn't. Yeah, we saw the uh, field goal raid offense come out for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who yeah. were, were consistently able to move the ball in this game, but not consistently able to convert touchdowns. And really, I mean, there's there a long play by Pratt Firebooth, you know, rumbling down the sideline for almost 60 yards. That set up the only touchdown of the game for the Steelers, but yeah, a, a lot of small positives. I think along with that, I mean, it was, it was not a great game whatsoever for George Pickens, huge letdown spot for him. He, he was upset on the sidelines. Cam Hayward had to come over and kind of calm him down yeah. in the second half. He just, he goes one catch on two targets, massively disappointing day for him. Deontay Johnson, five for 60, had a couple bad drops uh, in this game, but Najee Harris over five yards per carry, I believe for like the first or second time all season. Uh, he goes 17 for 86, of course, coming off the abdominal injury. Uh, saw Benny Snell work his way into the mix. Only one carry for Jalen Warren. Yeah. Uh, he was more so operating as the third back in this game. I, I don't know. Overall, this kind of felt like it played out as it should. You know, some, some crushing turnovers by the Atlanta Falcons. You know, neither team uh, really looking all that great on the offensive end. Neither team getting to 20 points. I think that was fairly predictable. Yeah, it was. Um, it was kind of, you know, it was just frustrating because Pittsburgh would drive down and then they'd stall out every single time. And after a while, it was just like, oh, come on, 
finish this drive. Um, and you know, of course I, I, I had Pickens going in DFS too. So I was like, okay, this is a good week. Let's do this. And it just never happened. Yeah. I mean, such is life for, for the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point. Um, I, I thought it was a really good spot for Pickens as well. I, I believe I, I, you know, I actually threw in a bunch of prize picks, uh, picks this week, Jeff, and I had Pickens going in one of those. I had him to get a touchdown that of course, uh, did not work out, but Pittsburgh very quietly, you know, stringing together now three wins uh, in their last four games, those coming over the Saints, Colts and Falcons. So, you know, maybe not exactly turning a corner, but with the way the Baltimore Ravens are looking and with Lamar Jackson banged up and, you know, potentially in danger of missing next week's game, that suddenly becomes more interesting. They get the Panthers after that. Uh, that There is a path all of a sudden to, to Mike Tomlin, you know, salvaging his, his streak of non-losing seasons. Yeah, it is. Um, there, it, 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 there is indeed. So we'll be, it'll be interesting to see that now Atlanta, uh, they're one of the six teams on by this week. So, uh, we're saved from watching that offense. Uh, almost the less that, I mean, God, they're just so, they're such a frustrating team to watch. It's just, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's gross. Drake London actually had a, a decent game, got 12 targets. Finally, we finally saw him get unleashed a little bit. Six for 95. Of course he, he didn't score. Michael Pruitt had to get the touchdown, but you know, that, that play has worked for them. But I mean, this team, this is a team that's going to go nowhere with Marcus Mariota. It's just, they're just not. No. And it's kind of in the hands of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as to how long they want to keep Atlanta season alive. Right. I, I think if the Buccaneers were playing better, even marginally better, we might be seeing Desmond Ritter by now. And, you know, it's gotten to the point with Mariota who you know, threw just a, a killer pick at the end of this game. I believe it was Mika yeah. Fitzpatrick that essentially ended it. Uh, it. It's gotten to the point where you could even argue. It's like, is, do you even have a higher floor with Marcus Mariota? Maybe slightly. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're getting to the point where you got four or five games left in the season that, you know, you, you want to get some sort of evaluation on Desmond Ritter. But again, as long as the Buccaneers, you know, kind of continue to underwhelm. I think if you're Atlanta, you're, you're looking at those standings and saying, ah, you know, we, we can't risk it, you know. Uh, you know, we, we may have somehow a chance to sneak into the playoffs and, you know, obviously they feel worse about their chances to do that with Desmond Ritter. But again, man, I mean, this is like three out of four weeks that Mariota has just not looked good. If the Bucks win tonight, I think you go, you make the change. I mean, five and eight yes. isn't anything special at all. I mean, exactly. It's just, exactly. Yeah, it, 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 again, is your floor really that much higher? I, I don't think it is. Yeah. How bad must Ritter be in practice to be, to just come to that conclusion? <laughs> I mean, I, I, that's the way I got to look at it is, you know, yeah. either that or they're just, just bullheaded and going to go with the known over the unknown. I I don't know the known mediocre at best though. I mean, it's not right. even like average quarterback play. It's below average quarterback play that they're getting here. So, I mean, you have to think Ritter's just terrible, but I don't know. Um, I, I agree. Well, it, the, one last thing on Ritter is this is supposed to be the guy that could step in and play, right? I mean, this is a, you know, he's 23 years old. This is a guy who's right, you know, multi-year right. starter in college. This is not Malik Willis, you know, somebody that you drafted saying, all right, maybe two, three years down the road, we sit in, we develop him. He turns into something special. Like this is, if there's a plug and play rookie in this class, it's supposed to be Ritter. Yeah. You know, and com- compare and contrast Tennessee. I mean, they've got Willis, they've got their project when they're in a game that's out of hand, they play him. Now, maybe Atlanta is just playing a lot more closer games, but we didn't see Ritter play against the Bengals when they were way behind. Now, they, they, it was the same sort. Still alive in the playoffs, still alive in that game. You're only down 17. Uh, that's that's not in it. That's not really in. Um, it, it, it's this illusion of being like you're, you're still alive. I don't know. I just I think it's 
they, they, you know, maybe they'll win coming off the bye, but they're five and eight and they got their bye week coming up. I would just move on. But then again, Arthur Smith's the coach. I'm not, so I'm moving on. All right, we got let's get one more game in before we do our first read. This will be a quick one here. Denver and Baltimore. Oh, what, what did what did the world do to foist this upon us? This is just such a bad game. Uh, it featured the worst trick play ever. Uh, maybe not ever because the Monday night Browns one against the Bengals was pretty darn bad too. But the least surprising one, James Prochet to the second, just threw a pass that had like four guys that could have picked it off. I mean, no one was fooled by it there at all. Uh, the, the, the Ravens offense was in the muck all game long. And then they pull out a drive out of their butt at the end there to get the win. I'm annoyed because I'm a Bengals fan. That was like the one thing that went wrong is that the Ravens actually won that darn game. Yeah, I mean, it, it was really, really ugly. This is three straight, just really gross games for the Ravens who, you know, to their credit, they did lose Lamar Jackson fairly early on. He only attempted four passes in this game. It was Tyler Huntley for most of the afternoon. But even before Lamar left, you could tell this Ravens team was going to be in trouble. They, they came out flat. I mean, even defensively, you know, allowed a long drive right away. They, they, they punt on their first three or four drives of the game. Um, there, there's just something off about Baltimore, although, you know, Denver's defense, as we keep saying, or I, I, sh- I guess I should say reminding people because the offense is yeah. so inept. The defense has been good all year. So maybe it's not surprising to see Baltimore uh, limited, but I also don't think the Ravens thought this would come down to, you know, essentially a last second play uh, to end up winning the game. And Tyler Huntley to me, I, I, you know, ups and downs. Certainly we saw an extended look at him last year, but um, I, I think he's, the Ravens are in this unique position where they have an ultra unique starting quarterback, but also a backup who could come in and do a fairly reasonable impression of Lamar Jackson. I think Tyler Huntley, you know, a little more careless with the ball, but um, you know, to, to have somebody who you feel like you could kind of continue to run that same system uh, yep. th- that again is really unique with Lamar. That, that's a big luxury for the Ravens, but man, this running game really getting nothing at all uh, against Denver, just over three and a half yards per carry brutal and through the air as well. And again, I, I think what's most scary if you're the Ravens is that, yeah, you didn't get a large sample with Lamar, but this offense looks stuck in the mud from this jump. It does. It does. Ravens went three for 13 on third down. The Broncos went two for 12. The big key, though, Ravens went three for three on fourth down. Um, that that yep. was huge in this game. They, on that that game-winning drive, they got a couple of penalties in their favor. One, you know, there weren't a whole lot of penalties in that game, but there was two big ones on that last drive that gave them first down. So yep. uh, they, they came up big on that. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, there's not much to say. Kenyon Drake actually got more carries than Gus Edwards this week. We thought it was Gus Edwards' backfield. He went six for 12. Kenyon Drake, seven for 29. I mean, they did nothing. Maybe you're going to see J.K. Dobbins next week. We'll see. He's already practicing now. So maybe that that helps give them a playmaker because this is offense just doesn't have any playmakers. Well, it's an offense that was forced to bring out that terrible trick play. And yeah, that one was doomed. I mean, I think Seattle ran something like that earlier this year that went basically exactly the same where it was, it was very clear as soon as that second reverse came that it wasn't going to be open and he just threw it anyway. And like, you know, in practice, they're telling him, look, if it's not there, toss it out of bounds, no harm, no foul. Look, it, you yeah. know, it's, it's a, a boom bust play. Um, but yeah, that, that could have been picked off. Like you said, by three or four different Broncos, uh, you know, it, Isaiah likely, by the way, another tight end we've kind of been monitoring has had his moments this year. Yeah. Essentially operated as like the third tight end for the Ravens, only 19 snaps compared to 24, for Josh Oliver. And then of course, 61 for Mike Andrews. So if you're in deeper leagues, if you're monitoring likely, um, you know, not a ton uh, to like uh, about him. At least uh, he got the targets. though. he got four targets. He went four he for did. 30. Uh, Oliver's there mostly to block. 
sure. I think. And for, yeah, but yeah, it's just for what though? I mean, Tyler Huntley did get the running touchdown. He is, he is, uh, obviously he carried the ball 10 times, so he can run. Lamar, probably not going to play is my guess this week. They said the injury they yeah. John Harbaugh described it as not a season ending one. That implies that there's probably a week ending one that he's going to miss a game. At least it sounds like to me. Uh, and if he does play, he's coming back from a knee injury. He's not going to be able to run as much either. So mm-hmm. I don't think you can start him even if he does play. Yeah, we'll see, um, you know, how that progresses throughout the week going up against a, a matchup at Pittsburgh next week. Not super appealing. I mean, a, a lot of the season long numbers will, will say that that Pittsburgh defense is not great. But as we know, I mean, it's night and day whether or not TJ Watt uh, is in the lineup for that team. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think we're trending toward Lamar probably missing at least one game. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking right now at like at BetMGM, the Ravens are still favored to win that division. I don't know about that. I I know that the Bengals have a really difficult schedule the rest of the way, but um, even, even though Baltimore has like survived these games against Carolina and, and against uh, Denver, they just haven't looked good to me. This is a team that's trending in the wrong direction. And with Lamar Jackson potentially missing, you know, at least one week, uh, that, that is not a bet I would make. I'll tell you right now, I, I take the Bengals at plus money to win that division. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your lips to God's ears. I'm, I, I, I'm with you on that. Um, the Ravens keep finding ways to win games that they've looked ugly. They, the Carolina win was an ugly win. The Broncos win was an ugly win. I mean, it helps that their schedule is what it is. Um, that they definitely have a lesser schedule. Uh, and that, that, that's working in their favor quite well. Uh, Jeff Johnson asks, uh, you know, he has Lamar and he has Deshaun Watson. We're about to talk about that. So he's kind of screwed. Who should he pick up? Mike White, Jared Goff, uh, Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, or Tom Brady, or onto the new guys? Or do you want to pick? You want to throw Huntley into that mix at all? I think I kind of like what I've seen from Jared Goff. Uh, certainly looked yeah. sharp against a, a below average Jags defense this past week. But that offense, you know, low key kind of humming again. Uh, went through a really rough patch in the middle of the season that that coincided with Amon Ross St. Brown being injured, but. That, that, that looks like a, a really confident offense to me right now. So of that list, I would give you know, slight preference to Jared Goff. Uh, he's, he's certainly not head and shoulders above the rest of that field. I mean, you, you could even start playing the matchups week to week. Well, in the matchups, home game against Minnesota. Okay, I'm on board. I'm on board with yep. that one there too. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I go Goff in this instance here. Uh, our, our podcast, this football season, are brought to you by No House Advantage. No House Advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today. Play in pick'em contests versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes. Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20 times your entry if you hit all of your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over unders and or, or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up now with promo code NHA Wire. That's NHAWIRE at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get a first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check it out. No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined. Because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You won't want to miss out on this. Our podcasts are also hosted on the Blue Wire Network. Here's their ads. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Thanks for your indulgence in catching, uh, listening to uh, the Blue Wire Network ads. Uh, let's move on to Packers and the Bears. Good feelings abound in Green Bay this week as they go to their bye. Five and eight. You know, Aaron Rodgers is able to play through multiple injuries. Played all right. 5.9 yards per attempt. So it really wasn't that great, but enough to do get by. Didn't turn it over. Didn't get sacked. Um, had, you know, they had the touchdown pass, had had the Christian Watson end around run for a touchdown as well. Uh, Christian Watson, kind of a star in the making. I, uh, you know, uh, Alan Soslowski, he and I were doing sneaky ads before, and he asked me this question. Um, would you rather have in a dynasty league, which is a super flex league, mm-hmm. who would you, you know, he, he was offered, he was offered Russell Wilson for Christian Watson. Now keep in mind, it's a super flex league and it's a dynasty league. I, I snap called said Watson. What say you? I think you're right. And look, I, I'm almost embarrassed at some of the conversations I was having with some Packers fans, friends after the game, as far as, you know, we were talking not really fantasy, but kind of in a dynasty perspective, you know, like how many receivers would you take ahead of Christian Watson right now? You know, assuming trajectory factoring in cost and age and all that. And right. obviously there's a list of the elite guys who are in their twenties who, you know, you're not going to take Christian Watson over Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. Like that's not even a conversation, but it gets interesting when you start talking about some of the guys who are in their upper twenties or into their thirties. Um, and the thing with Watson is it, it's been almost entirely explosive plays for him. Like he's yet to have like a, you know, 12 catch 180 yard game where you're like, wow, he dominated the entire game. It's been these splash plays. So to me, I, I'm still kind of wondering like, is he a future number one receiver? Certainly the touchdown production would imply that, but uh, again, it, it's been very boomer bust, even play to play with Watson, but it's getting to the point now where I actually think he's going to win rookie of the year, Jeff. I mean, he's down to, he's plus two twenty five at Is this he? point. He's right, right on Kenneth Walker's heels and Walker got hurt. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, we... exactly. Damien Pierce is fading. Walker's fading. Uh, I mean, it's an unbelievable development. Like imagine if like week three, somebody said, Hey, Christian Watson's going to rip off like nine touchdowns over the course of four weeks and win offensive rookie of the year. That would have seemed inconceivable. Yeah. I agree. Just think if he would have caught that pass in week one, what sort of you know, the trajectory of his season would have gone. I mean, maybe he needed the developmental time too. And he was hurt for a little bit yeah. too, but oh, maybe it just kind of humbled him a little bit there, man, made him work hard, harder. I don't know. Interesting uh, to see about that. I mean, this wasn't all wine and roses for the Packers. It was, I mean, they scored 18 oh, points that? in the fourth quarter, uh, 18 and nothing in the fourth quarter. The bears turned it over three times and all three t- uh, turnovers were huge in this one here. Fields with two picks, Claypool with that killer fumble. I mean, for the longest time, the Bears, the Bears are feeling pretty good about this. I was feeling very good about my Bears cover 
uh, on this one here and that lost that one. That, that yeah. was, that was one uh, fourth quarters were not kind to the bears and the Colts this week. We'll get to the Colts a little bit later, but that was, that was an even bigger extreme, but um uh, I liked a lot of what I saw out of fields, despite the two turnovers, 20 for 25, yep. 254 yards, a couple of dimes, uh, one to equanimity of St. Brown, one to Nikhil Harry. It was the only uh, catch Harry had, but it was he, <laughs> he roofed Jair Alexander on that one there. It was pretty sweet. Uh, yep. And yet they lost and they're, they're basically done. I mean, they're three and 10 now. I mean, in a way, this is, this is a fine re- result for them. They get a higher pick. They can either use it on one of the elite players in the draft or have a ton of trade capital in the draft. Yeah, I think the way it happened, um, you know, you're still a little disappointed if you're Chicago. I was watching the game with kind of a healthy mixture of Packers and Bears fans. And I I asked a couple of guys, like, do you, is it a better, like, aren't you kind of glad that you you put in a nice first half, but you're still going to get the loss. You're going to improve the draft position. And he's like, no, absolutely not. It means more to me to beat the Packers if we can beat the Packers. But yeah, I mean, the front office, I think, is on a different page uh, than a lot of the fans. Chicago, like you said, I mean, this was a disastrous first half for the Packers until the very end. Uh, they were able to tack on uh, a touchdown. I, I believe that was a Christian Watson uh, kind of a scramble drill type of play. It was a fourth down uh, controversial call. I, I thought they should have taken the points uh, at that time, but they were down 16 to three. They had just gone out on downs on their previous drive. They had just had a, a drive before terrible that fourth down play out on that on too. A field goal. Right. Terrible, terrible. Um, just the classic, you know, it was, I think it was fourth and one and, you know, deep shot down the sideline, just, you know, vintage Aaron Rodgers frustration. And you're thinking, oh boy, here we go. This reminds me of the Jets game. This reminds me of the Lions game from earlier yes. this season. Um, and Green Bay came out cold in the second half too. I mean, back-to-back three and outs to begin the second half. Chicago goes up by two scores. Uh, but from then on, you know, really the defense is what stepped up for Green Bay. Blocking a, a short field goal attempt, that was huge. Uh, getting decent field, field position there. Yeah. Um, and, and you mentioned, you know, the two dimes by Justin Fields, a, a long one to St. Brown and the long one to Harry. Both of those were on Jair Alexander. I mean, just getting yeah. absolutely roasted in, in each of those. I mean, he's one of those guys. Of course, he has like a, a huge interception to basically win the game later on. Um, so, you know, just when you're ready to jump off, you know, he kind of reminds you why he's the highest paid defensive back in the league. But uh, he, he could be a very frustrating player to watch. I'll say that. he's got He's got a lot of Jalen Ramsey in him. Yeah, he does. He does. And yeah. And for this year, that's not necessarily a compliment. No. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll, and we'll get to that, but uh, yeah. Uh, other things, Aaron Jones got banged up that he was dealing with a shin in practice last few weeks. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, okay. He was listed as questionable and he plays. Well, this time he actually, it mattered. They pulled him out a lot there. And AJ Dillon was the lead back. AJ Dillon looked pretty darn good. Second week in a row, too. I mean, A.J. Dillon, I think he's had two of like his five best games in his Packers career in the last two weeks. He looked fantastic against Philly. I mean, he was a massive, massive disappointment, both in real life and in fantasy for essentially the previous 10 weeks. You know, He played well in week one and then just went into a rut, but he's, he's running really well these last couple of weeks. And yeah, the Jones situation was weird. I mean, he, he went out early and it kind of looked like he wasn't coming back. He's just, you know, he's under the coat on the sideline. And then he would come back for a couple plays and then go out for like another, yeah. you know, two or three series. And then all of a sudden he's back again. Uh, AJ Dillon got banged up late in this game. Uh, so we saw some Patrick Taylor snaps. Uh, he had not taken a snap, I think, since week one. It was only his right. second snap of the year. Uh, came on his first carry of the year. So uh, kind of a weird game for Green Bay in that regard. Uh, but, but yeah, like you said, I think AJ Dillon coming alive, finally. I think a lot of people probably left him for dead. Um, I, I certainly did not start him each of the last two weeks, kept him on my bench, but uh, going to be an interesting consideration going forward. Last note I have on this game, 
we saw Justin Fields uh, a lot more limited as a runner did rip off, you know, the 55 yarder was basically untouched, but that was something you and I kind of predicted coming into the week is look, he's still not hundred percent with that shoulder only carried the ball six times. We saw way fewer designed runs for Justin Fields. That's right. Uh, and he even said that he kind of aggravated the shoulder a little bit when he was trying to block at one point in time too. So that's another thing that when you've got, you know, misdirection plays and things like that, he takes that out of the playbook a little bit too. Uh, now, both teams are on by next week, so they'll heal up a little bit more, uh, especially in the case of Jones. So that's pretty big. Did you you have a lot of Dylan? Did you have him starting this week? Did not have him starting this week. It was a tough, tough week for me uh, in, in two of the leagues that I play in on, on ESPN. I think that's that those are both of the leagues where I have Dylan um, started Kenneth Walker. That was a disaster oh. and started Nick Chubb. Uh, instead of which of course you're going to do yeah Yeah, right I didn't feel bad about it and I I had Jonathan Taylor in my flex this is a a pretty loaded team on paper um so I I couldn't really justify starting him but of course yeah I mean Nick Nick Chubb you know not showing up in that matchup and then Walker getting hurt that that pretty much doomed me yeah uh the the Browns offense not showing up at all uh was just a killer I mean they were just uh, and we'll, we'll get to them uh very soon but yeah that was that was that was Really disappointing to say the li- uh, slightest there, um, to say the least. Slightest, what are you talking about? All right, uh, Jaguars, Lions, to get it on and over with here. Um, from the word go, I mean, there was this was just, I, I think Lawrence said it best, they just got their butts kicked. This was, yeah, longtime Jaguars fans know this was a, just a classic letdown spot for the Jaguars. I, I could not wait to bet against the Jags this week. I went against him in staff picks. I went against him in the Pick'em League. I, I, this is every time the Jaguars seem like they're on the way up, that they have a game like this. And like you said, I mean, the big victory here is that Trevor Lawrence didn't tear his ACL because at one point yeah, it looked like looked he absolutely horrible. did down in a yeah. heap. Um, you know, he's rolling around, grabbing at the knee. And at, at that point, the game was over. So I'm thinking like, oh, my goodness, this is the worst case scenario. Uh, although I did, I did start to go to, well, you know, Joe Burrow tore his ACL and, you know, look, look at him when he came back. Uh, somehow Lawrence, you know, ends up walking off the field under his own power, ends up coming back into the game. So even though the Jags get absolutely blown out at Detroit, defense gives up 40 points. It does still feel like a minor victory that Trevor Lawrence didn't suffer uh, an injury. He did say the knee was sore on Monday, but you know, really doesn't look like he he suffered anything that's going to keep him out. But this was just a, a disaster game for the Jags. You know, Travis Etienne fumbles on the second play of the game, sets up Detroit for an easy touchdown. And really from then on, it was an avalanche. Yeah, it really was. Uh, and I mean, like you said, the defense just present, they presented no resistance whatsoever. Let's look at the Lions side. I mean, Goff, Goff was amazing. Uh, Amon Ross St. Brown did Amon Ross St. Brown things. We saw DJ Chark step up finally. Five for 98. Should have counted on the revenge game factor there. Didn't think about that too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, a lot of talk was about, okay, Jamison Williams is coming back this week, but it was really Chark that was a, a bigger part of this offense. Yeah, yeah, he, he was fantastic. Um, you know, didn't really see that coming. Like you said, maybe we should have given a little more credence to the revenge game. Uh, DeAndre Swift, by the way, much larger workload this week. Yes. That's been a really, really frustrating situation for fantasy managers, really for most of the season at this point. But uh, he definitively won the snap load over Jamal Williams, 39 to 23, ran twice as many routes as Jamal Williams, was targeted five times, zero for Williams, and outcarried Jamal Williams. So great, great signs. If you've been hanging on to DeAndre Swift, you know, trending in the right direction at the perfect time for fantasy, he goes 14 for 62 with a touchdown. Uh, Jamal Williams did, did get one score 
early in this game. I believe he had the first score of the game, but DeAndre Swift got a goal line carry. That's where his touchdown came, partially because Detroit was going hurry up at that point. You know, normally they would sub Swift out and bring in Williams, but they were going quick, didn't have time to do that. So that benefited DeAndre Swift. I mean, Amon Ross. Hell of a run, by the way, on that one, too. Yes. Yeah. That was he a, should have been hit know, like three yards back. Yep. Yep. That was a, you know, full extension over the goal line, really hard run. Um, you know, it, this Lions offense, like we said, they, they right in the middle of the year, I mean, things got really dire, um, you know, looked like they were kind of falling apart, but they've, they're starting to look a lot more like that Lions offense from the first two or three weeks of the season. A big part of that, you know, is having Swift back, having St. Brown, you know, playing at close to an all pro level, but man, this Jaguars defense is literally zero stops all game. The Lions did not punt. The only drive they didn't score was at the end when they took two knees Every drive went for at least seven plays. Like at no point were they even threatening to get a three and out. Yep. Yep. That, that, that's absolutely right. The Lions, they're talking about being alive in the wild card hunt. And I think that's probably a rational exuberance. They're five and seven, but they have won four out of their last five. Uh, they're a game and a half behind the uh, commanders, uh, two and a half, essentially. Commanders are on by this week. So that, they'll make up that stagger. Two games behind the Seahawks who beat them straight up. So, I mean, that, that's really where you're at there. Um, so it, it I, I don't think they're really truly in the hunt, but man, it's fun. If you're a Lions fan, this is a fun team to watch. Your, yeah. your satisfaction index is a lot higher than it was a month ago. That's for sure. Right. And I, I mean, I believe they have the Rams pick in 2023, right? Yes, so I do. think you're, you're not quite as worried about, you know, improving your own draft pick when a right. team like in like the Rams is in complete free fall. So everything's mm-hmm. kind of gravy. In that regard, uh, five thirty-eight gives the Lions an eight percent chance to make the playoffs. I, I think they they would have benefited from the Commanders or the Giants taking a loss instead yep, of both of those right. teams tying. And and then yeah, like you said, the Seahawks coming back and winning that game against the Rams that would have been big. So still mathematically alive, they'll need a ton of help, but uh, relatively unlikely that we see Detroit in the wild card. Exactly. Anything else from this game? No, I, I have no more commentary. Evan Ingram scored a touchdown, so good for him. But that's all I got yeah. to say. All right. Browns, Texans. What a terrible slog of a game. I mean, unless you have the Browns defense and special teams, then you're like, high five, let's go. Yeah. All that. Nick Chubb actually went for 80 yards running. He averaged almost five yards a carry, but that that's about it as far as like offensive highlights go. Deshaun Watson was really rough out there. Uh, Threw that end zone pick, 12 for 22 for 131 yards. Uh, Noteworthy that he did run seven times, but didn't run all especially well. Seven for 21. Uh, he was not an elevator. He was a, unless it was take, it was a de-escalator instead. Uh, the, it hurt Amari Cooper. It hurt Peoples Jones. Uh, you know, it hurt that they, they didn't have David Njoku. Uh, mm-hmm. But still, horrible offensive performance in this game. Yeah, the defense and the special teams, like you said, really bailed out Cleveland. Fumble return for a touchdown, pick six, and uh, a special teams touchdown as well. That was a punt return. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, the Cleveland offense was horrific in this game outside of Nick Chubb. I mean, they had nothing uh, through the air. And I, I feel like that's what you and I predicted. You know, I, I was on prize picks uh, on Sunday morning. I went under on 247 and a half yards for Deshaun Watson. Like, I, <laughs> he was nowhere near that. He finished with 131. I mean, what – what were we expecting here? I, I, I get it's the Texans defense, but man, I mean, I thought that number was, was insane at the time. And I, I guess I was proven right. I haven't been able to take a ton of victory laps this year, but that to me was such a no brainer. Yeah. Uh, well, you could prop up um, on thrive. You could uh, do it on price picks. You name it. Oh, I was propping up all over the place. Yeah. Yes, that's right. 
Uh, Kyle Allen was just like, here, take this ball, please. You know, through yeah. the pick First six. First play of the game, the picked off. QB sneak fumble six. Oh. That was, oh. that was like a, watching a sixth grade game. Like, you know, there's just like a pile of dust and all of a sudden the ball's just sitting on the ground and the defensive back walks it into the end zone. I mean, that's so right. This, this that's such a out, good comparison. It, oh. Yeah. It was just, it's just a play you don't see often in the NFL. Um, I, I really feel like this game played out exactly like we expected. Cleveland did not look good. And Houston is just so bad that it didn't matter. Yeah, that's exactly right. Kyle Allen's just, oh, he, he's not an NFL quarterback. Tim Allen is just as much of an NFL quarterback as he is there. So, um, yeah, in Houston this week, they go to Dallas. Oh, boy. Um, Dallas defense won some people yeah, games this, yesterday. Uh, they could do it again. Cleveland goes to Cincinnati. Uh, big game there in, in division. Cleveland, by the way, they have Joe Burrow's number. I think they've beaten him every time so far in his career. So mm-hmm. uh, they beat him earlier this year. Um you know, they, he didn't Burrow didn't play week 18 last year against them, but they, they beat him in Cincy before that. Uh, so even though Burrow owns the chiefs, maybe Cleveland owns Burrow. I don't know. We'll see this week. Uh, uh, don't tell me the line on that one, but, uh, well, I'll just guess I'll do guess the line. I, I haven't right looked now. at any lines yet this afternoon. I okay. will, but I have not. So if you want to, okay. if you want to guess, yeah. we can go for it. Now uh, we'll, we'll save it, save it for the show. Uh, no, well, no, okay. we have, Rotowire subscribers here. We owe it to them. So let's let's do the guess the lines on just this one here. Um, I think it's going to be Bengals seven would probably be in like a total like 46, 47. Okay. I will go. I'm going to go Bengals six and a half at home. Right, I'll, I'll say the, yeah, the total. I'll put the total at 45 and a half. Uh, okay. And the actual odds are at the DraftKings Sportsbook. Bengals minus six, total 47. Okay. Okay. But we're, we're in right. the neighborhood. We're in the neighborhood. Yeah. I might have some irrational exuberance there. I don't know. But uh, I, I, and I know how the Halloween game went. It was very frightening. But uh, I, I expect the Bengals offense to be able to move the ball a lot better uh, this time around. So uh, I think the Bengals offensive line has improved by orders of magnitude since then. Uh, I think the bye week really helped them. I think they're going to be a completely, I think they're a completely different team right now. Uh, time will tell, but they're, they're protecting Burrow pretty well. Uh, before we move on to our next game, let's talk about Picket. Can you pick it? Picket is a social bet tracking app that takes out all the hassle of tracking your bets and performance over time. Picket connects to every U.S. major, major U.S. sports book, including DraftKings, FanDuel, et cetera. And DFS pick and provider, prize picks, underdog fantasy, thrive fantasy, and more. Once you hook up all your sports books, Picket does all the heavy lifting to slice and dice your betting data. You'll get detailed historical PL graphs, breakdowns by team, sport, player, bet type, and more. You can also line shop for the best odds across your linked sports books to make sure you're getting the most bang for your buck. That's especially important when you go to like props and side, like halves and things of that nature there the the more granular you get the more variance there is so that's where you, this really comes in handy uh when your bets are live you can track the scores and the stats of your games that you've bet on as well as player prop updates for most major pr- player prop markets no more switching between your sportsbook app and different score apps by far the different biggest differentiator is that picket syncs history and bets from all legal legal major sportsbooks there is no manual entry to, required to track your bets, and tracking is super important. And see how you're doing. Know what your trends are. See what works and doesn't work for you. Once you have your accounts linked, it's effortless from there. The social feed and community is what turns Picket from just a bet tracking app to home for betting. 
where you can learn from others, see what others are doing, and find verified content to inform your betting decisions. Visit Pickett.com. That's P-I-K-K-I-T.com. That's, again, P-I-K-K-I-T.com to download the Pickett app today. All right, Nick, let's move on to the next game, Minnesota and the Jets. You know, for the longest time, Minnesota was up big, but they did feel like they deserved it. You know, it was 20-6 to at one point in time. You know, the Jets kept on doing their best Purdue impersonation by kicking field goals. They got it to 27-15, finally got the touchdown. It took like 17 minutes on the uh, replay review for Mike White's QB sneak where they didn't have a single goal line camera. Billion-dollar industry, and they they can't do that. But nonetheless, still, after that, they had not one but two more chances to try to score at the end and couldn't do it. Had they, if Braxton Berrios catches that ball, we're talking about a completely different result in this mm-hmm. game. Yeah, did, did not love the Jets play calling, you know, when they got down near the goal yeah. line. Uh, you know, they, they did run bad night on second down, but, uh, you know, basically running a kind of corner flag route to, to Garrett Wilson, who fell down. There was some contact, didn't really look like a penalty on third down. I mean, it was just kind of a, a play where Mike White just essentially had to throw it away. You're at the one yep. yard line. You have a guy named Bam, uh, a guy named Zonovan. Run it in there. You know, this is not a, a an overly fearsome Minnesota defense. So, you know, I, I think they it, obviously it got to fourth and goal from the one. And at that point, they felt like they needed to throw. But it, it's so frustrating for a team like the Jets, uh, you know, to, to, to run back to back pass plays with essentially your second or third string quarterback. You could say that he's worse or he's, excuse me, that he's better than your starter in Zach Wilson, but mm-hmm. he's still a backup quarterback at the end of the day. So I, I felt like, for as, as okay as Mike White played in the second half of this game, it was not a great day for Mike White by any means. No. He did get did get to 370 yards, but needed 57 attempts to get there. This uh, is Joe Flacco. I was just going to say that. Yes, this was basically what Joe Flacco was giving them the first three weeks yeah. of the season. Uh, on the Minnesota side, we've seen this script a number of times for the Vikings this season. They had that game against the Lions early on where they went up big, let the Lions come back in. They did it against the Bears. Uh, they, they did it to, to varying degrees, you know, against the Commanders and the Cardinals. Like, this is a team that has had these fast starts. And, you know, after halftime, Minnesota did almost nothing on offense whatsoever. You know, they did have the one score uh, midway through the fourth quarter. That was Cousins to Jefferson. Uh, but right after that, you know, the defense allows a quick touchdown. And like you said, the Jets had their chances. You know, not only do you go out on downs on a long drive uh, late in the game, but they get a quick stop. Minnesota goes super conservative, punts the ball back. Um, you know, Jets are all of a sudden, you know, kind of right back in Minnesota territory. Uh, and there was Mike White, again, in a tough spot at the end of the game, but uh, through a, a crushing interception to ultimately lose that game. Yeah, absolutely crushing. Um, and yeah, it, it's one of those, oh, he threw for 369 yards. Uh, okay. It wasn't yeah. good. I mean, it's still, he made some throws that Wilson's not going to make. There was like on the drive just to get down there, he threw like a laser, I think on fourth down just to get the conversion there. And that was a big play. Uh, Corey Davis had, had a couple of big catches in this one. I mean, he just couldn't get in the end zone. Zonovan Knight, Bam Knight, 15 for 90, six yards a carry. Also had uh, five catches for 28. Ty Johnson had six catches, but you know, Knight's this big revelation guy that was on the practice squad all year. And all of a sudden, like he's their main back, James Robinson. He's, he's barely in the picture at all. Yeah, Robinson was at least active for this game, so that's yeah. a minor step in the right direction for him. But he only played nine snaps. We saw 28 snaps for Ty Johnson, 47 for Bam Knight, uh, out of a possible 85, by the way, which is insane for a game that did not go to overtime. I mean, the Jets mm-hmm. ran significantly more plays 
than Minnesota just really weren't able to finish off those drives. Uh, it was a field goal fest early on for the Jets. Uh, I, I love what we've seen from Zonovan Knight. I, I think it's pretty clear already that they, I don't know that they regret the James Robinson trade, but I, I just feel like they think they have two better options in, in Knight and Johnson yeah. and it is what it is. And that's how they're going to handle it uh, going forward. But yeah, this is going to go down as another missed opportunity for the Jets. I mean, two chances late in that game to steal one after playing a really bad first half and uh, just couldn't quite get it done. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, Minnesota side, no turnovers, but man, Kirk Cousins averaged 4.9 yards per attempt. And I got to do the rewatch on this game, but every time I looked up, he was making a a bad throw. Like he was missing makeable throws. In the second half, especially, he was really rough. Uh, you know, they, they started off with three straight punts coming out of the half. And if you're watching the first half, this felt like, you know, it was kind of a, you know, Philly, Tennessee type of game where you're expecting it to be really close. And Minnesota was up 20 to three at one point, yep. um, you know, could, could have been worse. Certainly, you know, they were they had to settle for a field goal uh, on their final drive before the half. But I mean, this looked like they were going to run away. And, and you know, like we said, we've seen them so many times come out of halftime and just go super, super conservative. You, you have cousins missing some throws. Uh, you know, didn't turn it over at the very least, but did take a couple of sacks. Uh, you know, they, they weren't really able to get the run game going. Dalvin cook had one semi long run, but <clears throat> other than that, you know, right around four yards per carry on the day. So the Vikings just continue to do what they've done all year, which is win one score games. I think they're now what nine and oh, uh, in one score games on the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's getting, it's getting to the point where, you know, very few teams in NFL history have had this kind of run. Right. Their, their, their points differential is only plus 10 on the year, despite that, despite a 10 and two record. So wrap your head around that one for a second there. I mean, just shows how when they lose, they get blown out and they don't win blowout games. So, uh, although, I mean, the jets are still seven and five, this was always going to be a bit of a tough game. It's also another tough non-cover by the way. Um, I, you know, I, I thought I was on the good side of this, you know, all along we're like ripping on the jets for going Purdue on us and kicking field goals. Had they taken two field goals at the end of the game, they win though. I was thinking that. And you know, it's so revisionist of course, but uh, you know, I I think they were kind of right on the borderline with how much time was left on that second Mm -hmm. to last drive where, you know, if you take the field goal there, you don't feel, you know, you absolutely, you basically have to get an immediate stop, which they did, but you can't always count on that. So I think you have to go for it, you know, from the one oh, yard it, line. We can, 100% agree. we can disagree from about the, the play line. call, but you're right. Had yeah. they known they were to get in the ball back, then yeah, you just take the two field goals and you win by one. Get the gift of prophecy for sure. I yeah. agree. But yeah, one yard line, you got to go for it. Um, it's just yeah. the play calls, as we said there. All right, let's move on. Um, is it is that the last of the early slate? Uh, no, no, we have two more, in fact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been burying this one from the recesses of my, my memory, but uh, Commander's Giants. Uh, this was a blah game too. I thought yeah. oh, two teams that tried not to win in overtime too. Come on, just these, these like midfield punts. Like I, you know, might have furthered their chances. I guess of winning. You know, of the chances of both of them having a chance to get to the wild card, but individually it didn't help their chances. I don't know. It's just this was kind of a, a an ugly game. I mean, Daniel Jones was efficient when he could throw the ball. However, he did get sacked four times in this one here. And he did have a fumble as well. Uh, 25 of 31, six and a half yards per attempt, 71 rushing yards, a pretty decent fancy day. If he scores a touchdown, it's a much better day, but still decent day. 
Yeah, decent day for Jones. Uh, you know, kind of run of the mill type of day for Taylor Heineke. Had had some huge throws late in the game when the Commanders were down a touchdown. Uh, led a a wild, just vintage Taylor Heineke type of drive. You know, converting crazy throws on fourth downs uh, to to lead the Commanders down the field. But ultimately, yeah, it, this game was kind of marred by ultra conservative play calling in overtime. Yeah. And I I understand not wanting to attempt a long fifty plus yard field goal. Uh, in you know cold weather, like I, I get it, you miss that. You're basically gifting the the other team prime field position and, and a pretty good chance, you know, to convert a first down or two and, and have a more makeable field goal. But at one point, the Commanders had the ball first and ten at the Giants' 44, and ended up punting from the Giants' 43. I mean, they they went backwards uh, on back to back running plays. Yep. Ryan Robinson, you know, just kind of they they ran an off tackle play that the left tackle just did not block anybody. Robinson gets blown up, and they kind of panicked. To me, it, it felt like they they. Yeah, I think they thought they could just get two or three more yards on the next couple plays and kick a field goal. And all of a sudden it's third and 10 from the 44. Right. And you know, they, they, they ran just like a quick pass to Curtis Samuel who got nothing. Um, so it, it did feel like if they had gained literally two or three more yards on that drive, they would have attempted the long field goal. Um, and, and at that point they just didn't feel comfortable, but Washington had a great, great chance to win this game and ultimately didn't do it. And look, if you're the giants, I, I guess, do you, they they did try a field goal at the at the end of the game. We should say. I mean, it was a fifty eight yarder uh, with no time on the clock, so there's no risk of turning the right. ball over at that point. But yeah, it it really did feel like both teams like they they weren't aiming for the tie, but you know they're showing the shots of Rivera and Dable on the sidelines, and you you could tell it's like they both knew where this was headed. Yeah, they they didn't mind a tie. It was exactly. kind of like U.S. England where they're both oh, okay, that's fine, we'll tie. Right. Um. But yeah, it it, it really was kind of it was kind of disappointing. Like. I, they kept on like they didn't show uh, on red zone. They didn't show like the uh, Texans score because they had to show live coverage of whatever the hell the uh, commanders and giants were doing at that point in time. But um, fine, whatever uh, these two teams, I mean, maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they win one game in the playoffs, but there, there's, there's no upside here. I don't know. Terry McLaurin was awesome. The giants at the end, like dedicated all their coverage to stopping him. Uh, because they couldn't beat him, they couldn't stop him one on one. Eight for one hundred and five, and it just uh, broke some tackles on that touchdown. Heineke, you know, to his credit, was you know trying to make him the man again. Twelve targets, you got to like that. Jahan Dotson scored, and he had nine targets. He, he's becoming a bigger, bigger part of this offense now. Uh, I mean, they had the yards. Brian Robinson, ninety-six rushing yards. I mean, if you look, a lot of their key players all did their thing. Yeah, they did. Robinson continues to run really well. Uh, I mean, he is just a uh, tackle-breaking machine at this point. He looks like a, a completely different guy from his first couple games back uh, off of the gunshot injury. Uh, uh, Washington goes into a bye, by the way, and plays the Giants again uh, yes. two weeks from now. That is going to have massive playoff implications. As of right now, Washington has about a 70% chance to make the postseason. So like, one of these two teams is going to be in. There is an outside shot that both teams could get in. Uh, and after that Giants game, they go to the 49ers, which you're not going to feel good about that game either way. But, you know, this is right. the 49ers team now that's on to its third quarterback, presumably for the rest of the year. Yeah. And presumably Brock Purdy, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, right. uh, that's the bigger thing. I wonder if they put in a claim for Baker Mayfield. I would expect someone with a higher waiver priority might take a, a ch- shot. Yeah. Although I don't know about the contract. Maybe the contract prevents that. But, uh, I mean, I, I would think some team plays defense against the Niners and prevents him from having him, but it might be like, go ahead, take him. <laughs> you know, he's yours. You know, it might be like, go ahead, claim him. Uh, I don't know, yeah. but uh, we'll see. Uh, yeah, Saquon Barkley looked like he's favoring that shoulder a little bit still. Uh, 
other, but still ran okay. 18 for 63, got the touchdown. Um, but yeah, the Giants just, I mean, they're just lacking playmakers. They got Daniel Bellinger back at tight end. I mean, it's Slayton and Hodgins right now are the top two wideouts, though. Yeah. I mean, the fact that we're saying they got Daniel Bellinger back as if he's like a, a big playmaker, that, that speaks to where the mm-hmm. Giants are at uh, offensively. And it, it does sure. feel like, you know, that it's all kind of catching up to them. Uh, you know, they, they got so lucky in so many ways early on and ultimately we're lucky not to end up taking a loss in this game, but still seven, four and one. I mean, I, I think whether they end up making the playoffs or not, if they don't, it's going to feel like a disappointment based on how they started. But either way, this giant season, given the personnel on the field, I, I remain impressed. I mean, this has gone significantly better already than I thought it ever would. Yeah, that's right. Moving on. I asked on Twitter, is there a fan base that's as happy as the Bengals are right now? And it was all fly Eagles fly. I had like four or five people all saying in the you know, Eagles are pretty darn happy and can't blame them. They have their franchise quarterback. They're, they're now 11 and one. They also have a great salary cap situation and they have the Titans first round pick next year uh, or not the Titans. No, it's uh, the saints first round pick yep. next year. Even, even better. better, even better. They smoked the Titans. A.J. Brown gets his revenge game. I mean, it was a very thoroughly satisfying day if you're an Eagles fan. Yeah, a little bit of a sluggish start in the first quarter. I mean, Philly does score in its first drive. But uh, after that, you know, we, we had back-to-back punts. And then they allow a long touchdown drive to Tennessee. And you're thinking, all right, that, that's what Tennessee needed. We're going to get a back-and-forth game. Yeah, Not at all. Uh, from then on, it was 100%. Philly the rest of the way we saw AJ Brown score on like back-to-back 40-yard plays one of them called back immediately you know roast the defender gets another 40-yard touchdown he had a second touchdown uh, later on at a perfect ball from Jalen Hurts I mean AJ Brown was thoroughly covered the ball was placed right where it needed to be Uh, he was locked in I I think we probably underestimated the AJ Brown uh, revenge narrative in this game he was very very clearly uh, feeling that revenge narrative Devontae Smith had a nice day as well he goes five for 102 and a touchdown. Uh, interestingly, you know, Philly didn't really get a whole lot going on the ground. And, and part of that was, you know, some obvious run situations in the second half, but just 67 yards on 24 carries Hertz did have a rushing touchdown, but that was about it for him on the ground. Uh, he's basically neck and neck with Patrick Mahomes at this point for MVP, by the way. And it, it kind of seems like we're down to a three man race. Mahomes is plus 125 at DK Jalen Hurts plus 175 and Joe Burrow, Little known quarterback. I was going to say, there's another. It's six to one. And it kind of feels like, you know, after this week, Tua has dropped off. You know, Josh Allen went through a rough patch. He's down at 14 to one. So uh, I put put a a little sprinkle on Josh Allen at 14 to one. If that's the odds you're going to get, I mean, starting quarterback for the team that's the number one seed in the AFC right now and could someone who could go off later in the season, Mm -hmm. I might sprinkle a little of that. Well, I I would if I were in a state that allowed that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, uh, yeah, it, the thing is, only one team has run for over 100 yards against the Titans in like the last 10 games. That was the Bengals last week, and they, you know, they did do it, it took a little bit of work to get there. But uh, yeah, the Titans, I mean, the thing is, you could, wide receivers go nuts against the Titans, and wide receivers went nuts against the Titans in this game. So, uh, you know, they, they ran their game plan accordingly. I mean, Jalen Hurts had this like, he had 200 plus yards, two touchdowns, and the rushing touchdown by halftime. Uh, and then just piled on at the end. I mean, it was it was a beautiful thing if you've got uh, if you've got Jalen Hurts that you got your production so front loaded that it was a coast. But this is what the Eagles do: they kill you early and then they coast late. And once again, Gardner Minshew saw action. 
yeah. both backup quarterbacks saw action. We saw Malik Willis in there. The, the, the Titans raised the uh, white flag in the fourth quarter. I think they probably should have. Uh, uh, you know, and T- Tannehill's getting beat up. He got sacked six times in this one here. So uh, and we saw what happened to Traylon Burks. That was that was a brutal, awful hit. Uh, can't believe he held on to the ball. I mean, he basically lost consciousness at the end there. Uh, but it was just on top of him, and then it rolled off after he was down. But still, I guess, you know, that one passed the survive the ground test. Who knows? But uh, the way – what is a catch these days? We saw that in the Thursday night game. Uh, Derrick Henry, 2.7 yards per carry, four straight bat, inefficient game. Yeah. Yeah, he was unable to get much going at all. I, I think that was the one thing that, you know, we, we kind of kept pointing to is like, well, you know, the Philly rush defense, it's not quite as good as it was early on. Jordan Davis – uh, still banged up. You know, he was on IR. This seemed like a, a decent spot for Derrick Henry to get going, but no, 11 for 30, uh, you know, didn't get really not, had not even a single big play in this game. His longest rush went for six yards, you know, his longest play out of the backfield went for six yards. That's you know, the last couple of weeks. He struggled relative to his standards on the ground, but he's at least been involved in the screen game. Uh, they completely shut that down. Uh, this was a, a thoroughly impressive and dominating win for the Eagles. And look, we had one question about the Titans coming into this week was, can you actually beat a good team? We know you can hang in there with good teams and that did not happen today, but can you actually get a win over a good team? And they are now 0 and five this year against the chiefs, the Bengals, the Eagles, the bills and the giants. I mean, their, their five losses have all come in their five biggest games. You could argue. Yeah, for sure. And they're playing that first place schedule. Uh, you know, it, it's all these teams are beating, mm-hmm. playing each other. Uh, and especially in the AFC, there's some heavies there. I mean, you know, as the Bengals like to say, they have to play us. Uh, and you know, that kind of came in there a little bit there, you know, they have that mentality, but you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it's really, uh, it's, it's, it, it's really vexing for them, but they go back to a home game against Jacksonville next week. So they get back yeah. to their cozy schedule again. Yeah, it's actually a shame that the Jags, you know, couldn't win last week against Detroit or, for example, couldn't beat the Texans earlier this year because they haven't even played the Titans yet. Like it would get it would become mildly interesting if the Jaguars were sitting at five and seven with two games left against Houston or excuse me, against Tennessee. Uh, But, you know, I mean, the, the Colts are a disaster. The Texans are the Texans. The Jags are the Jags. So no matter what, I mean, Tennessee could end up finishing this year, uh, you know, basically going 500 or slightly below 500 in the second half and easily coast. Uh, to the AFC South title. They finished with Jacksonville, the Chargers, the Texans, Dallas, and then Jacksonville again in week 18. Yeah. Win your division. Uh, that, that, that'll do. Yep. All right. Uh, before we hit the afternoon slate where we had a lot of good games, uh, fi- our one final uh, note here, uh, football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So, what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. All right, I've exercised excruciating patience. It's time now to have some fun. Let's talk a little Bengals Chiefs. Very, very satisfying, fun result for me, Nick. Uh, I can only imagine, Jeff. I figured you might be might be happy about this one. I was following your tweets throughout the game. Uh, you offered a, a lot of good breakdowns. This was a really really fun game. It feels it feels to me like it flew by. Like there was there was very little wasted time. It felt like every drive was extremely meaningful. Yeah. Um, you know, both teams punted back to back. 
uh, you know, I think it was right just in the beginning or kind of end of the first quarter, uh, beginning of the second quarter. Other than that, every single drive either ended with a turnover or a score. I mean, it yep. was super, super valuable possessions. I, I felt like the Chiefs defense let them down or, or maybe the, the Cincinnati offense was just so well schemed in this game. I mean, this was a vintage Joe Burrow, almost Tom Brady type of performance from him. Like you don't really think of, uh, you know, he's not really running around making these wow plays. It was just surgical throw after throw after throw right out yeah. of the money. You know, one of his incompletions should have been a touchdown to Tyler oh, Boyd. Like yeah. you said, that was his biggest drop uh, since the Super Bowl. I think the call on that one was inconceivable that Tyler yes. Boyd dropped that play or dropped that ball. Um, so, it, you know, it could have been maybe a slightly more comfortable victory for the Bengals. But to me, it was just the Chiefs could not get stops. And, you know, the fumble by Travis Kelsey ultimately feels like that's what really shifted things in favor of Cincinnati, but what a fun game. Yeah. Uh, Jermaine Pratt with a hell of a play to get the strip on that one there. That was, and Pratt stepped up a few times recently there at linebacker for them. Uh, that drop by Tyler Boyd, I'm going to call back to a game. Uh, you, I don't know if you know, know of it, remember it at all. Uh, Northwestern Michigan, 54, 51 game. Northwestern had a running back named Damian Anderson had this incredible game, but had this really bad drop. Uh, on, on a very similar uh, route, a wheel route, but it was a wheel route, similar mm-hmm. like spot in the air. It's almost like they both players lost in the lights a little bit because you notice with Boyd, it kind of went off his helmet a little bit. Yep. And I think it's just lost it ever so briefly there. Um, And I, the same thing happened with Anderson in that game. It, it was kind of an iconic college football game. It kind of showed that if you run the spread offense properly, you can almost, you can move the ball against anybody. And that's what really popularized the spread in college football. That was 2000 and i want to say 2001 or so uh, incredible game uh but anyways uh that's what that drop reminded me of was tyler boyd's drop there but yeah so happy with burrow the decision making so good the one time he made a bad decision was right before the two minute warning when he took his one sack for the game but no problem came right back after the two minute warning instead of going into a shell and running into the pile they trusted burrow to make a play he made a play hit higgins First down, game over. Don't give the ball back to Mahomes. Don't do this. Oh, well, at yep. least we'll run the clock. They're out of timeouts. No. It's like, no, we will We will get the first down. We'll end it right here. Love that mentality. Yeah. Well, it came after a, a pretty rough sack by Joe Burrow, too, where you know the, the commentators were getting on him. You know, got to get rid of that ball. Uh, kind of created right. a third and long situation. And, yeah, that was – Burrow made some incredible throws yesterday. That was the throw of the night. I mean, in traffic, just yep. put it right on – T Higgins over the middle. Uh, he looked fantastic once again in this game. I think Jamar Chase, even though he was he was on a relative pitch count, you know, ended up playing more snaps. I, I thought than I expected, uh, as you yeah. predicted last week. Uh, they they really just pulled him out on a lot of rundowns, but he made some huge plays in this game. Had, had a huge third down pickup earlier in the drive uh, where he just kind of lowered his shoulder and, and got to the mark. Uh, seven for ninety seven went Jamar Chase. Uh, I mean, this was again. It was it, it really was a Brady type of game for Burrow where it just felt inevitable. And part of it is this Cincinnati offensive line played really, really well. Yes. Joe Burrow yes. took that one sack late in the fourth quarter. That was it. I mean, he was, he was barely even under any pressure throughout the game. Like Mahomes was the one who he ended up only going down twice, but he had a couple of those plays where he's ducking in and out. He's reversing field, uh, you know, kind of scrambling around and to his credit made it work a few times because he's Patrick Mahomes, but that was a, a clean pocket for 90% of the afternoon for Joe Burrow. Yeah, and the and the run blocking was great too. Samaj P. Ryan, twenty one yep. for one hundred and six. He also had forty nine receiving yards. P. Ryan really has stepped up to the point where, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I I was 
you know, you know me, I'm not, I wasn't a huge P Ryan fan. The fact that he was in on key plays last year in the Super Bowl to my lament, but I mean, he's been as good as Mixon this year and to the point where I think he deserves a role in the offense, even when Mixon returns. Uh, I, I won't go so far to say that they're better uh, with P Ryan than Mixon, but they're almost equal. Um, and that that's pretty darn good. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's very satisfying on the chief side of things, you know, Mahomes had the rushing touchdown, which salvaged his fantasy day, but it's 223 passing yards. Uh, he got sacked twice. As you mentioned, whenever the Bengals brought pressure is when they actually struggled when they blitzed Mahomes, that's when he hurt them. Uh, just like yep. the AFC championship game, when they did like the rush three, Mahomes struggled to find guys open. He really did. He would dance around and he, he, you know, he'd pump fake, he'd cock. And one time, like he had two offensive linemen downfield, illegally downfield on one of his throws because it took forever. He just, it was, it was crazy. Uh, and, you know, that, that was one of those things where I was like, you know, the, why don't more teams do this? Yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, he hit a couple of long ones to, to MVS, uh, who also dropped two passes in this game, but uh, had a big 40 plus yarder. Those both came against the blitz had a long one to Juju as well. Uh, but, it, you know, I, I think part of the reason for the overall disappointing numbers for Mahomes is the Chiefs only ran 54 plays. They only had eight drives in this yep. entire game. That's something you almost never see from the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I looked it up. I mean, this is, uh, you know, it was the ninth fewest number of plays ever run uh, by Patrick Mahomes since taking over as a starting quarterback for the Chiefs. And in those games where, where he's basically played 54 uh, or, or fewer snaps, you know, that they, they lose about 80% of the time. And, it, you know, if you, if you go over 55 plays, there's like a very clear line of demarcation here on Stathead where you start to see a lot more W's. But if, you, if your defense is able to, you know, consistently, like you said, limit Mahomes. But to me, the other thing was just playing keep away. Like, I, I thought the Chiefs yeah. played a pretty good offensive game. Uh, did. You mentioned the run blocking. The run blocking for Cincinnati was great. The Chiefs averaged five and a half yards per carry yeah, on the day. Like they right. were, they were also running the ball well. They just weren't on the field enough because that defense could not get off the field. It, it was wild. It was just such a efficient performance by the Bengals. They go seven of eleven on third down. The Chiefs were six of eleven. Like this was not in any way a letdown game by Kansas City. Uh, it was just the Bengals having a better offensive plan. Yeah, uh, I, I think so. I mean, basically, this was a Kelsey fumble, and then like the the missed field goal by Butker late. The decision to kick instead of go for it, you could. Yeah. I, I, you know, they you know, there's a report that Mahomes was limping a little bit after that play, the play, the third down play, which kind of led to it. Remember, there's a shoestring uh tackle there, yeah, uh, for yeah. the sack by Osai. Um, you know, maybe you know, twinged his ankle there. We'll see if there, you know, that pops up on in the injury report later this week. Uh, you know, that's the last thing you want to see if you have Mahomes, you've been profiting all year by, by getting him where you got him this year. Uh, Pacheco looked good. He even was involved in the passing game a little bit there. McKinnon looked good. Uh, had the touchdown on the reception, which was a well-schemed play. Logan Wilson had no chance on that one to cover him. I didn't really love uh, the the celebration of throwing the ball basically at like this guy standing on the sideline. He had to duck <laughs> under that one there because he was just trying to hit the Bengals logo, I think. But uh, yeah. anyhow, um, yeah, I, I, I don't want to have too many broad conclusions on the Kansas City side. I mean, they're fine. They're 9-3 and three still. Let, let's let's I, I think they have yeah. to work on their defense a little bit, perhaps. But I think on the offensive side, I wouldn't be upset at all. Bengals. I mean, they're still the, the Ravens still have the tiebreaker against them, but and the easier schedule. But obviously no Lamar. Like you alluded to, I think getting Bengals at plus odds to win the division is pretty solid. 
Yeah, I mean, the schedule, it does mean a lot, and it's part of the reason that the Ravens have avoided losses two of the last three weeks because they did play Carolina and they did play Denver. I think if you play if you play those exact games against better opponents, you lose. So, I, you know, you yep. do have to factor in the schedule. But, I mean, right now the Bengals look like a vastly better team than the Baltimore Ravens. I don't think anybody would take the Ravens to beat the Chiefs straight up right now, whether it's at home, at a neutral, at Kansas City, anywhere. Uh, and right. Cincinnati's now done it three times in a row. I mean, I was I was totally wrong about this game. I, I really thought Kansas City would come in and, and try to avenge those two losses from last season. And certainly they tried. But like yeah. you said, that defense, that defense has some questions. I mean, not being able to create pressure against a Bengals offensive line that has been really shaky for more than half of the season. That's That's got to be concerning. Yeah, Bengals offensive line is playing better, though, right now. Uh, last few weeks, it's been that way. Ever since they came back from the bye, they've been protecting Burrow a lot better. Yep. Uh, Bengals get Browns, then at Bucks, at Pats, then Bills and Ravens to finish. So still pretty, pretty tough division there. Uh, pretty, pretty tough schedule, I should say. Nonetheless, very happy. Uh, Hayden Hurst got hurt in this one, too. That's the other thing yes. to watch out for there. Uh, see how bad he he's going to be. Mitchell Wilcox is nominally his replacement, only got one target. So something to watch for there. Um, anything else from this game before we move on? No, let's get to, uh, let's get to Dolphins Niners. Huh? We can maybe, okay. maybe hit some of these lesser games at the end. Yeah. Other game of the week. Um, first drive, Jimmy G gets hurt. He's out for the season. They go to Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant. The last player taken in the draft goes 25 for 37 to only 210 yards, but two touchdowns mm -hmm. threw a pick and got sacked thrice. I, I would say that, you know, they won, but I wouldn't feel like they're in great hands with Brock Purdy the rest of the way. Uh, no, not at all. And I, I think, you know, some of the, the biggest winners coming out of this week are, are not the 49ers. I, I think it's teams like Philly. I think it's teams like Dallas, Minnesota. Uh, I, I think you're now looking at this as a diminished version of a team that you probably did not want to face in the NFC playoffs. So, yeah, you get the win if you're San Francisco, but I think you'd rather lose this game and come out with a healthy quarterback instead of have to go forward with Brock Purdy, who, I mean, he played okay. He did have the pick. Uh, the average depth of target was very low. They were being very conservative with Purdy. I, I thought Miami actually did a pretty good job pressuring Purdy up the middle, but they, they kept kind of losing contain and letting him, you know, kind yeah. of get out to the outside, to the left or the right. And he, he made it a lot of nice throws on the run. And these were not downfield heaves. These were not Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert type of throws, but they were, you know, six, seven yarders down to Ayuk, down to Debo Samuel for crucial first downs in this game. So I, you know, I, I don't think you come out of this feeling like it's a complete disaster situation if you're San Francisco, but I, I, can you, can you really look at this team now and say with Brock Purdy is our ceiling winning the Super Bowl anymore? Because I think people thought that's what it was with Jimmy Garoppolo. And yeah. I, I don't know that there's another solution. You know, you mentioned like Baker Mayfield. I, I wouldn't feel any better about this team with Baker than I would Brock Purdy. I'd agree. I agree. Especially with the amount of time it would take for him to get up to speed. And we don't even know what speed he has. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I, I share your skepticism. Uh, rest of the Niners offense. I mean, George Kittle only got three targets. Uh, Christian McCaffrey was like Mr. Do it all here. Eight for 80 in the, in the passing game with that touchdown 17 for 66. Jordan Mason looked good. He was clearly the number two, eight for 51. Now, I guess that question has been answered. No Tyrion Davis price, no Tevin Coleman. It's Mason is the backup here. Yeah, not a single snap even for Tyrion Davis price. So like you said, we did get a, a pretty clear answer to that. I, I thought this was a really gutsy performance by McCaffrey, who didn't quite look 100% to me. No. You know, like the, the, the normal gate wasn't quite there, but the numbers were. I mean, like you said, it was kind of a, another classic McCaffrey fantasy game where 
you know, wasn't overly efficient on the ground, less than four yards per carry, but salvages it with an eight for 80 and a touchdown. I thought Debo Samuel looked great in this game. Not a fantastic fantasy day for him, but he had a couple like vintage Debo plays where he's shaking off tackles. He's got four guys jumping on him. He's not going down until the whistle's blown. Uh, so he, he looked fantastic to me. I, I think if you're Miami, you know, you come out of this game feeling pretty disappointed by how you played, especially by how Tua looked in this game. You know, he, he racked up a bunch of yardage, tacked on another touchdown late uh, as, as Miami kind of made a charge, but he had some alarmingly bad stretches in this game, some horrific throws, a couple of oh, interceptions. Yeah. Uh, this was easily, I think, his worst game of the season. And look, if you came into this game saying, hey, the other team is going to lose their starting quarterback and it's going to be Brock Purdy for 90% of the game. Do you think you win or do you at least cover like to lose this game by 16 points to Brock Purdy? I, I think it's a, it's a pretty big time look in the mirror moment for the Miami Dolphins who, you know, we, we kind of knew what well, something had to give here, either, you know, the San Francisco defense or the Miami offense. And early on, it looked like it might, it might be the San Francisco defense because on the first play from scrimmage to a throws, you know, an 80 yard touchdown to Trent Sherfield. But after that, I mean, that Miami D, D, or Miami offense, excuse me, basically shut down for two quarters. Yep, absolutely. And then it took some wild fourth down plays to kind of get back yeah. going again. Uh, fourth and one from their own 19. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, his interception streak was ended. Uh, he went like 190 passes without an INT and then threw it on back-to-back plays. Yep. Uh, they threw it was the defensive touchdown late. And then Skylar Thompson came in at the last end and threw another pick. Uh, after uh, Tua had the bad ankle. Keep in mind, Teddy Bridgewater is dealing with a concussion. Injuries are a big part of the story for Miami. They were down both tackles. They abandoned the running game, completely abandoned it. Only eight carries. Jeff Wilson had one. Mostert had seven. They're down the left and right tackles. And they I, and going against the Niners team, which was the best against running backs, and they just said, we're not going to beat you in, in, in uh, running the ball. But the other thing is they barely ran any plays. I mean, it, yeah. it was this is a thorough shutdown, 45 offensive plays for a team that's been one of the most efficient offenses in football. I mean, I just think this was a command performance by this Niners defense. And I think we, you know, a lot of credit has to be given on that side of the ball. Oh, 100%. And, uh, you know, I questioned their recent schedule and, and whether they were maybe it's slightly overrated because of some of the offenses that they had faced. But uh, yeah, they, they answered that one resoundingly. They, they, I'm sure in that locker room, they're, you know, looking like, Nick Whalen from Rotowire said that we haven't played anybody of late. We need to shut him up. And uh, I, whatever bulletin board material I provided for the 49ers, uh, they, they utilized it. But for yeah, sure. man, it was it was a rough day, rough day for Tua, uh, rough day for the Miami ground game. That's for sure. Really two weeks in a row that they haven't been able to do anything on the ground. Tyreek Hill ended up getting his numbers, had a long touchdown late in this game. I mean, it's miraculous that Miami actually had a pretty good chance. To, to come back and steal this game after the Hill touchdown that was right in the beginning of the fourth quarter. They then forced a punt. So they got the ball back down six with 11 minutes left. And from then on, like you said, they, they had that long uh, 11 play drive where they went out on downs. And then shortly thereafter, you know, to a strip sack took a massive hit on that play. And, and he was done for the day after that. So yeah. Yeah. If you're Miami kind of back to the drawing board, that's for sure. I, I think they need to fix this run game more than anything. Yeah, I mean that was a that was a contested call on that fourth down too in in Niners territory. I mean, if they get that, who knows? Maybe they score. Jalen Waddle got hurt in this game. He came back, but he only ended up with that one catch for nine yards. Tua got banged up down those tackles. I mean, injuries are a big part. They go they they have two more road games in a row at the Chargers than at the Bills the next two games. So critical critical time here. We're gonna have to be watching the injury reports for both of these teams very carefully. 
you know, we saw with the Niners, it's not just uh, losing Jimmy G, but McCaffrey missed practices last week. Debo was a game time decision. I, I think it's going to be something where they're, you know, we're going to be, we're going to see the missed practices this week. It's going to be uh, both, both teams are going to be watching these practice reports carefully. I'd expect not to be able to start Waddle this week. I, I, I think he is, I was gutting it out. I, I think they're going to reveal like, it's, oh, yeah, he can't go this week. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Yeah, me neither. Um, you know, he ended up playing only 24 snaps in this game, uh, you know, of a possible 46. Like you said, the Dolphins barely ran any plays in this game. It was kind of a, a more severe version of what we what we just talked about with Mahomes and KC. Mm-hmm. But Miami, they got to be careful here, right? I mean, they were they came into the week in first place in the division. This is not an easy schedule the rest of the way. I mean, I guess you feel good about playing the Chargers, but maybe they get Mike Williams back next week. That feels like a game where it's going to be a shootout no matter what. That'll be on Sunday night football. You know, at the Bills, that's a game that you're you're not going to be favored in. You probably lose. Like the Packers, if they're still mathematically alive uh, on Christmas Day, that that is not the easiest game. Uh, and right. then you got to go at the Patriots and then home for the Jets. In you know, depending on what the Jets do the next couple of weeks, I mean, that could be kind of a play in type of game. So you know, the Dolphins are, are still very much in the driver's seat as far as making the playoffs in the AFC, but seating is going to be on the line. And you know, if they trip up in a couple of these games, it, it could actually get dicey real quick. It absolutely could. Uh, afternoon slate was really entertaining. See, yeah. I mean, I didn't watch a whole lot of it because I was like firmly focused on Bengals and second game was Niners. But nonetheless, Seattle and the Rams, this is back and forth, back and forth. If you were a uh, if you were a Seattle running back, you got hurt in this game. Uh, it was like a Spinal Tap drummer uh, reference. You probably did. You see Spinal Tap? Uh, I've heard of it. I don't really exactly know what it's all about. Uh, would love to learn more. It's a mockumentary, uh, fake, yes. fake documentary about a rock band. And in that their drummers always died. They went through like four or five drummers. Uh, so I always make jokes about that. Um, DJ Dallas ended up being the lead carrier after being doubtful to return at one point, uh, when Kenneth Walker and Tony Jones both got hurt, Dallas had to come back. They, this is a team that couldn't run the ball. I, Kenneth Walker, there's a chance he plays this week, they're saying. He has what's called a jammed ankle. It's not a sprain. It's a jam or a strain. You know, I can hear Jeff Stoss just pulling his hair out, just pee yes. tuft by tuft. <laughs> uh, just like, oh, stop using that terminology. But, uh, you know, that Walker's kind of hitting the rookie wall anyhow, although he, he was three for 36 before the injury. Uh, Geno Smith, big game. 360 passing, 67 passing yards. Both uh, Metcalf and Lockett went off in this game. Uh, I remember when Jalen Ramsey was a shutdown corner. Yeah, those those days feel like they were long ago. I mean, he's a he's basically like a high risk, high reward corner at this point. Uh, you know, the big plays are still there every now and then, but it does feel like he's getting uh, roasted more often than ever. He uh, of course, got into it with DK Metcalf in this game. I, I, I tweeted at one point that I felt like Ramsey was like minus three hundred to get ejected. I saw that if you could get yeah. if you could get live odds on that. I mean, there was it looked like it was heading that direction, but uh, he was miraculously able to to stay in the game. Um, you know, this was a game that Seattle very easily could have lost. I I, I made Seattle minus seven my best bet on the RotoWire Sports Betting Pod. I, I really thought that this Rams team, down Aaron Donald especially, uh, just wouldn't provide a whole lot of resistance on the ground, but of course, did not account for the possibility of every single Seattle running back getting injured in this game. But uh, right. you, know, you got to give credit too to the Rams for for manufacturing some big plays 
early on, you know, they go down, put together a really nice touchdown drive on the first drive of the game. They, they get a field goal on the next drive. I think that made Seattle a little bit uncomfortable and, you know, you see the final score, Seattle puts up 27, nice day for Gino. This was by no means a comfortable win for the Seattle Seahawks who essentially needed a last minute drive to go ahead and win this game. And, you know, it was not easy. It really wasn't. They even, even the touchdown to DK Metcalf, that was a tight window throw. It was, it was. Gino turned it over twice had a fumble and a pick. I got sacked four times. So get, get pressure on them. Good things can still happen. John Wolford's numbers weren't great, but I felt like he could at least make some basic throws. But then he, he got sacked four times and had two picks also. So it wasn't like his numbers were any good. The Rams ran it 33 times for 171 yards. That was one of the things that made them effective. We saw Cam Akers be the feature back. Uh, 17 carries for 60 yards. Not exactly efficient, but ran hard at times when they needed him to. So uh, Kyron Williams really didn't do a whole lot in this one. No, um, I, I, overall, I, I was somewhat impressed with Wolford given the circumstances, like you said, you're not going to look at the line and, and say he played great, but had a huge long scramble on a fourth and two kind of a bootleg mm-hmm. play late in the game. Um, but, but the Rams really relied on the run. And I, I think more than anything like this, we don't really have to talk about the Rams. They're out of the picture as far as, uh, you know, the grand scheme of this NFL season, but this Seattle defense is in a really bad spot right now. And I think if they are playing Anybody but like the Rams, the Broncos, and the Texans, they probably lose this game. Uh, I mean, this defense has been in shambles now for three straight weeks. Yeah, I agreed. Um, they can't stop the run at all. They just no. can't. Um, so Deonta Foreman, he's supposed to be healthy coming back off the bye. I think he's a must start against Seattle next week. I, even Chuba Hubbard could be interesting in mm-hmm. this one here. Uh, Rams, on the other hand, they get to, we get them on a standalone game because, hey, we thought that that was going to be a good thing at the start of the year. Vegas versus the Rams in L.A. So, uh, mm. you know, Raiders, there's going to be so many Raiders fans at that game. There is a lot of Raiders fans still left in this town. So that one's going to be pretty wild to, to watch. But uh, Raiders, they have some life to them. They won again. They beat the Chargers. Maybe knocking the, you know, I don't know if it's a mortal blow for the Chargers, but it really hurts them. Knocks them down to six and six. Raiders are only a game behind them now. Uh, the Raiders have two offensive players, and the Chargers just can't stop them. Just couldn't stop them. 26 for 144 to Jacobs for a touchdown. Devontae Adams, 8 for 177 and two touchdowns. Just incredible. Had another catch that was overturned, but it was a ridiculous near catch. Uh, I mean, they have nothing else, and the Chargers could do nothing about it. This was a pretty pathetic effort, I thought, by the Chargers, who went up 10 nothing in this game. I mean, they had a pick six mm-hmm. early on. You know, everything looks like it's rolling. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the offensive line, awful. You know, five sacks on Herbert, a guy who's pretty mobile and, and found his way out of what should have been a couple more sacks. Uh, like you said, when you play the Raiders, you're worried about three guys Derek Carr, Josh Jacobs, Devontae Adams. And the Chargers, yep. much like the Seahawks last week, let those three guys beat them. You know, Jacobs goes 26 for 144. And a touchdown on a bad calf. Devontae Adams, you know, back-to-back touchdowns. I think he had two touchdowns on three plays, one of which uh, was a flea flicker. He's wide open. I mean, this, yep. this Chargers defense on paper has playmakers, but I, I don't think their playmakers, you know, guys like Derwin James are, are playing up to the level that they need to. Uh, fantasy-wise, I mean, nice day for Keenan Allen. Six for 88 and a touchdown. Gerald Everett kind of get back in the swing of things. We had our, our typical Austin Eckler game, 10 for 35 on the ground, five for 67 through the air did have a key fumble in this game chargers still have a 30 percent chance to make the playoffs but 
you don't really feel good about it, right? I mean, this is a team that doesn't inspire a ton of confidence, uh, especially on defense. They get the Dolphins next week, then the Titans, uh, but they do finish with the Colts, the Rams, and the Broncos. So they, they have three very winnable games at the end of their schedule. Uh, it, it just feels like an overall disappointing game or a disappointing season, I should say, for a team that a lot of people thought would, would potentially make the Super Bowl in the AFC. Like It's a roster that on paper has names, but those names are either banged up or not playing to their potential. Yeah, Justin Herbert got sacked five times on this one. They really missed Slater. They missed Lindsay Lindsley. Yep. I think those were two big losses in that one there. Uh, they missed Mike Williams a little bit too because, again, they're not throwing too many deep balls. Uh, the, the one deep play was to Keenan Allen. It's just a dime. I mean, Allen was not open, and Herbert threw him open, basically. That's one of the stories is Keenan Allen doesn't gain a whole lot of separation. Herbert was scrambling on that one as a fourth down play and put it in the perfect spot in the corner. It was, it was amazing to see uh, 47 attempts for him to get to those yards. Uh, it's just, he's getting, he's getting, they're getting a lot of pressure. And meanwhile, Derek Carr had a completely clean uniform, no sacks in this game. Didn't run the ball. He, he didn't have to. I mean, he, it was just, it's an embarrassing defensive performance again from the chargers. Yeah. And this is not a notably great Raiders offensive line by any means. So yeah, it, Derek Carr was clean all day. I didn't even think he played that great of a game, but just didn't really have to because the Chargers just, it's, it's just such a frustrating team to watch, man. I, I feel bad for Justin Herbert. It's, it's like half the games this season. I watch the Chargers and I just think like, man, this guy deserves better. I, I think Brandon Staley is not the right coach for this personnel uh, watching them. Just, I mean, they, they just don't even, they, they know they can't run the ball. Like that's just off the table yeah. at this point. And like no team runs more like, obvious screens like i say it every week like their diversion of the run game is just setting austin eckler up in these weird kind of yep. half screen half short pass positions you got guys you know swing blocking all over the place missing blocks left and right like it's just it's such a weird offense to watch and they are a different team when mike williams and keenan allen are healthy we've seen that for what a game and a half this year not even it's like half game here and like yeah, and then Allen came back, but wasn't all the way back. And then Williams got her. Yeah. It's been like 50 snaps. I think I don't even think it's a full game's worth. So bad. Hey, speaking of embarrassing and so bad, how about the Colts? You know, this game was a game for three quarters. 21-19 heading into the fourth quarter. 33 points in the fourth quarter. 33. How is that even possible? Uh, it's possible because the, the Colts went on a, just a, a rampage of turnovers at the end of this yeah. game. I mean, their, their final drives in this game, like you said, it was 21, 19, you know, Collinsworth is fired up. You know, we, we got a game here. Colts are hanging around and yeah. Fumble return for a touchdown interception, interception, fumble end of the game. That, that was it. I mean, it was a, a complete yeah. domination by the Dallas defense, like multiple defensive scores called back. Like it, it, it actually could have somehow been more of an avalanche, for this Dallas yeah. defense, Matt Ryan, uh, like we said, three interceptions, took three sacks. Uh, you know, the, the fumble record, you know, maybe back in play after this game. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was a, a stern reminder by that Dallas defense that when they want to crank things up, uh, they they really, really can. Um, you know, we, we saw it was interesting. Like Trayvon Diggs gets burned earlier in the game. Everybody's piling on him. And, you know, he kind of felt like he might be the scapegoat if the Colts were able to, to really make a game of this. But uh, yeah, I mean, this was this was just a, a dominant performance by Dallas. It feels like every year they have one of these 50-point games. Like, when, when you have an offense that's explosive and then a defense that can create points like that, uh, not many teams have that combination. And, and Dallas has had that these last couple of years. This this also felt like a Micah Parsons making his statement for Defensive Player of the Year type of performance from him. 
He didn't do much, though. He only had two tackles. I mean, it was everybody else. I mean, maybe he dictated schemes and all that. They yeah. accounted for him a lot. I think that's probably what happened. But, um, yeah, it was crazy. I mean, there was a play in the first half. Uh, Donovan Wilson got the sack where he just came unabated right up the middle. Mm. Like, how? How? How does that happen? What? Jeff Saturday, you were supposed to fix that. You're an offensive lineman. I don't know. Just crazy. Um, yeah. I, it was just a bad performance all around. Yeah. It, well, the first three quarters, like you said, the Colts put on a pretty competent show. I mean, Jonathan mm-hmm. Taylor, 82 yards on 21 carries against the Styles defense. You'll take that. Uh, you know, they, they were actually willing to throw the ball downfield a little bit. We saw Alec Pierce, yeah. uh, you know, pull off a 45 yarder. He goes four for 86. Paris Campbell had a couple of big plays. Jelani Woods got into the act a bit, uh, you know, and, and they were drawing a lot of praise, you know, from, from the commentators saying like, you know, we did, the Colts have nothing to lose is basically what their point was. Like you, you need to try to take these deep shots and that's what was keeping them in the game. But yeah, the Dallas defense, you know, when, when they decided to, to really kind of put their foot down, uh, it felt they like this was up. over. Yeah. Yeah. And, you and know you're right about Parsons, by the way. Yeah. Who? You know who we didn't hear from, from the Colts, Michael Pittman, only four wow. targets, two for 16. I mean, they, they either, he was shut down or the Colts just, I mean, they just didn't have time. I, I think some of that, that's the, the Colts' big problem is when a team cranks up the pass rush against him, they just have no time for him. It's not like he's getting he, he's getting open quickly. He's like a scheme guy, and it's just not just not enough time for him. You know, the, the, the Cowboys were able to crush without Dak doing a whole lot, 20 for 30, 170. Did have three touchdowns at least, so it was a fine fantasy day, but it wasn't like he was, he was out there just crushing it, 5.7 yards per attempt. But they ran the ball so readily. Tony Pollard, 12 for 91. Elliott, 17 for 77. Malik Davis ran like an, the easiest touchdown you'll ever see at the end of the game there. Um, they, they were beat down at that point in time. But, uh, oh, uh, I mean, if, if they were trying to throw us off the scent, try to do a tank, you know, win one game against the Raiders to throw us off. And then and I'm, not, I'm stealing this idea. From uh, Jeff Feinberg, I think, uh, who, who, was, who I had on. Uh, I was listening to him in the Mayo Experience. Uh, and he was saying, if they're trying to tank, I mean, this is how you do it. You win one game and then you do all this mm-hmm. stuff. You do you forget how to do time management at the end of a close game. You you know, you get blown out in the fourth quarter of a close game. Like, oh, OK, well, we're, we did a level best and then we fell apart. Yeah, it's almost like they need a quarterback in the 2023 draft and, and wouldn't mind uh, having like a, a top three or five pick to accomplish that. Uh, by the way, you mentioned the Raiders and how they, you know, teams beating the Raiders has just tricked us all year into thinking that they're maybe competent teams. Coming into yeah. this week, teams were one in 10 straight up immediately after playing the Raiders. Wow. That checks out to me. That that absolutely passes the, the eye test with so many teams that we've thought, oh, they beat the Raiders. They must be good. Yeah. No, no, no. That is not the case. And Seattle almost made it one in 11. Yeah. Well, I mean, Denver's two of those wins. So yeah. keep that in mind. And so Denver's three and nine. They've beaten the Raiders. No, they lost the Raiders one one of those times. Sorry, I got yeah. I misspoke. Oh, yeah. Denver. God, they're still. Yeah. How do you? You know, the Colts aren't going to be able to get past them. The Colts beat the Chiefs, though. That's the NFL for you, right there. The Colts beat the Chiefs. How? That's going to be. That's going to go down as easily the craziest win of the year, right? I don't, I don't even know to. if there's a, a close number two at this point. Yeah, and it's not like the Colts were this like completely different team back then. Like they've pretty much been equally inept. Uh, since week one I mean they tied the Texans in week yeah. one that's not that's not a whole lot more impressive um, I, I love that we just like didn't even talk about Denver in that Baltimore game by the way there's nothing to say I have no thoughts yeah. 
on the Broncos offense. They're they're basically going to struggle to score 10 points per game. They're going to be the lowest scoring offense in 22 years uh, in all likelihood, you know, unless they have a, a couple explosive performances these last five games, like that's almost a lock at this point with how bad they've been. Uh, but back to Dallas, uh, we, we should mention Michael Gallup, two touchdowns in this one. Uh, much needed uh, kind of mini breakout for him. Yardage wise, not yep. a huge game, but a pair of red zone targets and a pair of touchdowns. That's right. That's right. Um, so yeah, that, that there's something to build off of that Cowboys. So looking at their schedule, um, we get, they get Houston this week. That that's pretty handy to get that right off the bat coming out next week there. Uh, it, they're not going to be able to keep pace with the Eagles. Although they do have one more game against the Eagles coming up a home game against them, no less, but versus the Texans at the Jaguars before they get the Eagles game at Titans at commanders, not a bad schedule. Um, the one thing that might be a negative for uh, Dallas is they did lose Anthony Brown, uh, torn Achilles. So that that that's mm-hmm. that's that's one loss there. Um, that was early in the game too. So uh, that that that's a pretty tough one there. Yeah, that one it, it kind of felt like he knew right away. That was the you know the towel over the head, taking the card off. Yeah, uh, yeah. You, you knew it wasn't going to be good. Uh, like you said, Eagles are still in command. It's going to be difficult. They're they're going to need to trip up uh, and obviously lose to Dallas uh, in order to make that a real race in the NFC East, pretty friendly schedule for Philly as well. They get the giants, the bears, the Cowboys, the saints, and then the giants again in week 18. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Not bad at all. Um, any other thoughts before we sign off today? No, not too much. I mean, I, I'm glad I braced myself for a big Jags letdown this past week. Yeah. So I'm not too down in the dumps about it. Uh, you know, kind of, I kind of hedged in terms of my, my betting and whatnot to, uh, to ease the blow uh, of allowing 40 points to the lions uh, but look, we, we got a quick turnaround. We got to get fired up a few hours from now. We got to be talking about Buccaneer Saints, baby, on Monday Night Football. I just read Andy Dalton 0-12 straight up in his last 12 road primetime games. So I'm fired up. Yeah, uh, me too. Uh, can't wait. Live look-ins abound for our Sirius XM show coming up here. <laughs> and don't forget, that we got uh, chances to win. So a whole lot of that. Alan Soslowski will join us. Thanks for listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by No House Advantage. Nick and I will be back at you again next week. And Nick and I will be back at you on SiriusXM Fantasy as well. Take care. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.